Baltimore! Man, I love y'all guys. Welcome back to Ravens Recap. We've got a very fun show today because just like you heard, if you listen to our preview of the game, we were all in agreement that the Ravens were going to come out with a victory, and that's what happened last night on Sunday Night Football. Alec, Chris, and I are here. We also have listener Chris here to give his thoughts on how the Patriots performed from his perspective as a Patriots fan. And, man, I don't know about you guys, but I'm not still not off that high from last night. I did a victory lap at work. One of the fellow friends uh, at work who was a fan, but I don't always see him, when I saw him today, I heard his voice. I went around the hallway and I ran and gave him a high five. <laughs> I was like in the middle of working. I just heard his voice. I was like, I must go find him. Yeah. <laughs> I came in at probably around a little after nine this morning, and uh, every couple of weeks or so, my department will have a, a day that where we bring in bagels for breakfast and then kind of go into the meeting room and kind of just sit there and have breakfast for like a half hour and kind of like talk about things and everything. And I get there a little after nine, and I, I asked one of my coworkers to save me a sandwich, that way I had something, and I come in and I'm just like, let's go, Ravens win, oh baby, I was jumping up and down, getting everybody pumped. Oh, man. It was a good morning. It was a good morning. Yeah, listener Nick came in. First thing he did was like, that game was hype. <laughs> we we high-fived about it. But before we get too carried away about how, how great that day was, let's take a second, step back, and introduce listener Chris. Chris Macris, we've talked about him. He made an appearance on last show, giving his predictions for the game. Chris, tell us your story, how you became a Patriots fan, how you're still also a Ravens fan every other week that they don't play each other and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, so I honestly don't know what year. I guess it must have been early 2000s. Like I know I've been watching football since the early 2000s overall. The Ravens are – I was actually born the same year the Ravens started, 1996. So I wasn't really watching football the first few years. But early 2000s, I know – I guess I became a Patriots fan while I was watching them – Always making those Super Bowl runs the first few years. I know I have this picture. It's kind of funny. I have this picture for me on a Christmas morning, like laying on top of a Patriots blanket I must have received for Christmas one year. It was like probably 2003. And I guess ever since then, I've been a fan. And there's no looking back. So, I mean, I'm obviously I'm still a Ravens fan living here in Baltimore. I know people always question how can you be a fan of both teams, but... It's worked out well for myself <laughs> over the years. I'm still very, uh, very much interested in what the Ravens are doing. I follow them a ton every day, every year. I guess the only times I don't really root for the Ravens are when they're playing the Patriots, obviously. Especially those, the playoff games we've had over the years has been tough. But especially when I'm most I'm usually watching the game with my dad and my brother. So it's kind of tough to watch the game with them. <laughs> well, your brother can't talk. <laughs> Because he's a Colts fan. Yeah, that, that's true. Ooh. We've had many battles here with the, with those games, too. <laughs> Patriots, Colts, Ravens, Colts, etc. So, it's been interesting. Oh, man. That's a shame the, the Ravens don't play the Colts this year. We can get Pete on the program, too. No, <laughs> All that, wait, great. playoffs could happen. Could happen. We'll see. Jacoby got hurt, but, you know, they've already survived uh, losing one starting quarterback this year. Well, he and he, he's been calling me out for... I guess since Luck retired, now they have Jacoby as a starter, and now that he's hurt, they got Brian Hoyer, so two former Patriots <laughs> quarterbacks, and he can't stand it. <laughs> Whether they win or not, he's always got something to say. <laughs> ah. So, Chris, as a fan of both teams, it sounds like you're more of a fan of the Patriots. Overall, your impression of last night, I'm guessing you're... Are you more disappointed, or are you one of the Patriots fans who are among those um, that group that feels like going undefeated doesn't set you up well for the playoffs and despite the fact that you guys did still make the Super Bowl when you were 16 and 0 you obviously lost so are you more disappointed or excited for the Ravens after this game so kind of a mixed bag I'm in one obviously I'm I'm okay with not having to go undefeated that pressure I mean as we saw if in two back in 2007 when they went they started the year 18 and 0 you could tell the pressure was getting to them the midway through the season. They had those close games with the Ravens and the Eagles and a few other teams, and even the Giants in the last week of the year when everything was sealed for the playoffs. 
So and then that forced them to keep their stars and just because at that point they were going for perfection and then we saw what happened in the Super Bowl. So I'm, I can't say I'm mad about that, that they lost. I don't, I'm not too keen on the idea of going undefeated in the NFL. It's pretty hard to even win one game, let alone 16 or 19 for the Super Bowl. But at the same time, I can honestly say I did not expect that to happen last night. It was from a Patriots perspective that was fairly disappointing, especially from the, the defensive side of things. It's almost like I don't know what they were even practicing all week. I know it's. I know they all, everyone says it's difficult to practice for uh, the Ravens' offense, especially with the new rules. And I think it's only you get one day in pads a week, and you only practice for like three days. So it's kind of hard to mimic the Ravens offense, especially since they're different from everyone else in a three day period. But at the same time, a lot of the mistakes on defense seem to be just fundamentals and either missed tackles or just running, getting to your gaps and things like that. So it was pretty disappointing from my perspective on how things went, especially the first half or even the first, just the first three drives. So listen to this today. I was talking to listener Nick and he was watching with some New England fans from college that he went to. And he was saying that one of his friends believes in this conspiracy that Belichick and Brady intentionally want to lose a game each year to rile up the team. And he was like, New England knows they're going to win their division. They probably think they're going to see the Ravens again. They were like saving it for the playoffs. And there was an intentional bad game plan, intentional loss. <laughs> Do you believe any of that? Bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with Peter. Yeah, so I'm not gonna lie. Like, I've I was hearing that a little bit on Friday, like through like different talk shows and things I listened to, and people were wondering if Belichick's gonna go all in and this week for the for Lamar and and give him anything, give him everything he's got. And I was like, of course he's gonna do that. It's a regular season game. Beat him now, so you don't have to play him again in the playoffs. Why would you want to play him a second time? But then a couple of my friends and tell me over the weekend that they they were also they're Ravens fans. They were thinking that Belichick wouldn't wouldn't go all in and show him all of his show him everything he's got. So I guess it's not really much of a conspiracy because I did hear a few people saying that, but I can't say I believe in that that theory. There's absolutely no way, no way, yeah. no way. I mean, you saw you saw Dante Hightower just get completely flabbergasted and like completely upset about his team and their performance that they put on in quarter and uh the first quarter there's just no there's absolutely no way that that could have been intentional those guys were visibly upset about their performance they knew it was on them it also wouldn't be a very smart strategy for the patriots if that were true and as much as we don't like belichick being ravens fans i do admire him as a master football mind and strategist after the Ravens, I mean, they talked about it last night. You got the Patriots, they got the Eagles, Cowboys, Texans, and Chiefs. And they still got to play the Bills as well. And the Bills are, you know, it's always hard to tell how seriously you take the Bills when they have a strong start. But they're 6-2. They're and two. You know, they're not that far behind the Patriots. And the Patriots, they may have, well... If, it probably didn't matter whether Josh Allen or the backup was playing in that game. There wasn't too big of a drop-off there. But their defense was keeping the Bills in that game. So, ah, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call foul on that because I don't think that would have been been smart by the Patriots if that there was any truth to that. Yeah, and I mean, like you said, all those, and all those teams you just mentioned all have running quarterbacks or mobile quarterbacks. Obviously not like Lamar, but they all have mobile quarterbacks. So I don't think they would just practice a bunch of garbage and pra- do a bunch of garbage things in practice for no reason and then not want to try it in the game. I think we should dig into that a little bit more, actually. Um, kind of taking us back to what we were talking about last episode, which was how legit is the Patriots defense? And I think from, at least from what we saw yesterday, there's still a good defense, but they definitely got exposed from the Ravens offense and Lamar Jackson yesterday. Yeah, I mean... I was surprised with how much success Lamar was having running the football yesterday. Not that I didn't, obviously, I have a huge faith in uh, Lamar's ability from what he's shown so far this year, but that's kind of what built into my bold prediction from last episode. I thought Belichick was really going to have a game plan to contain Lamar more than they did. I mean, there there were some runs that Lamar tried that were easy yardage, 
in past games where the Patriots were able to sniff that out and Lamar got no gain. But, I mean, he still had some pretty incredible runs yesterday, including two rushing touchdowns. I really thought Belichick was going to shut down Lamar and that Lamar was going to have to prove himself as a passer. And I was, I was fully prepared to see him do that. But he didn't have to. And I don't know. I have it down here in the notes later. But, you know, we'll, we'll see. Because obviously, Belichick's going to see Lamar again, wh- whether it be this year or in a, a season that's close to follow. We'll see how this game goes on matchup number two with Lamar and Belichick. But it could also just be that this guy, we've had unstoppable forces on the defensive side of the ball in Baltimore. You know, Ed Reed always gave Belichick fits. We just don't really know what to expect with an unstoppable force on offense because <laughs> we've never had it. Too true. Right. Well, I was going to say, though, one more thing I say on the game plan is that I think the Patriots have more of a problem with the misdirection on a lot of the run plays. And I don't even think mm-hmm. it was containing Lamar himself as a runner it was they couldn't tell whether he was going to get it or whether ingram was going to get it or whether it would go to someone else because of all the sort of misdirection that was going on behind the scenes you know i mean they had boyle kind of as that flex uh, fullback role they had ricard in there as well hurst was also there and i feel like the linebackers just kind of didn't know where exactly where to go and i mean that's why you saw mark ingram had over 100 yards rushing and i mean aside from that one fumble that he had which unfortunately cost us three points i mean he was gashing the defense for big chunk plays at a time i mean there were several tosses that i remember where he had at least 10 yards before anybody hit him um and it, it definitely showed but i will say you know i I can remember a couple run plays too from Omar where he got hit by a Patriot defender pretty quickly. So he didn't have as much room as he usually has, I think. So I think their defense did a, did an okay job with him in particular, but you know, the other thing is too, you know, I think like Makra said is that, you know, it's really hard to prepare for Lamar when you don't really have an athlete like that. And there were just a couple of those plays where he just, ran by everybody to escape the pocket and everyone was like oh my god like how do you like how do you get out of there <laughs> you know because he's just so good at escaping pressure in the pocket yeah he was very elusive i think i read a tweet last night that the patriots started started in a 3-4 defense which is what they typically do and after the first two drives they immediately switched to a 4-3 to get more beef up the middle and i guess that seemed to work for a little bit in the middle of the game but obviously by the fourth quarter Things went back to how they were going in the first quarter, so I don't know if that was actually a huge adjustment or if it really made any difference or not. I haven't been able to follow up on that one. One thing that we also noticed, Peter and I were able to watch the game together, is that first drive, we brought out a lot of that misdirection you were just talking about, Chris, where we had the jet sweep with Hollywood, we had uh, read options going on, and they definitely were trying to give some different looks. And I just want to take a, a moment to look at the snap count. We'll talk about this later with Hayden Hurst, Mark Andrews, and Boyle. But Boyle not only had more catches than both of them combined, he had more snaps than both of them combined. Boyle was out there for 59 snaps, 84% of all offensive plays, where Mark Andrews actually had the least with 24 snaps and Hurst with 29 snaps. So I thought that was really, really interesting to see that different strategy. I think it's never been quite that lopsided. No, certainly not for Andrews. I mean, we've seen we've seen Boyle be up there in the snap count, but Andrews is always up there either tied or leading for the snap count all year. I don't know if if that was just the game plan for today or yesterday or maybe that has something to do with the injuries that he's had, you know, we've talked about giving maybe the Ravens do want to give Boyle and Hurst more snaps uh, to give Andrew some time to rest. But I think we were, we were thinking they were going to give him the game off like against Cincinnati, whereas he was the prime receiving threat in that game. So yeah, they didn't really throw to him much at all either. I'm looking at the, the stat sheet again, Mark Andrews, only three targets and he caught two of those. Maybe part of that was just the Ravens already expected because that's what the Patriots do on defense. Chris Macris can uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but is, you know, 
really key in on who's the top offensive target for the team, which has been Andrews this year, since Holly, I mean, it would probably would be Hollywood if he was healthier. Take that guy away and have the secondary players, like a Nick Boyle or a, a Willie Sneed, be the guys that are going to beat you. So I'm not sure how much of that was us anticipating what the Patriots were going to do, or hopefully not, but maybe some of that's Andrew's injury. Yeah, that's correct, Peter. They usually Belichick's scheme is to take away your number one option on from your offense. So, like you said, I guess in this case he was maybe targeting going after Andrews and trying to limit him as much as possible, which is why maybe that's why Boyle had five catches. So I I'd agree with that. Yeah, I think overall the the story of the offense was really making the most of their opportunities because I mean if you look at the stat sheet. You know, I don't think anybody outside of Mark Ingram really bounces off the stat sheet in terms of you know yards or or touchdowns or, or things like that. Even Lamar, I mean, had a couple of rushes, but only sixty yards, so really not that many. Only. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I think there. Were, correct me if I'm wrong. I think there was a stat somewhere, which honestly, I I, I think it's kind of cherry picking. It's kind of a, a weird stat, but it was something about how it's like a, a quarterback needs to rush for seventy yards and then like. Because that limit is basically like if you don't rush for that many, then Bill Belichick always wins. But if you rush for more than seventy, like he does win or something, or he doesn't win, which is kind of a weird stat. Yeah, yeah, Alec, you you pulled that stat out, right? Yeah, I saw that one. Yeah, yeah. In any case, it, it's kind of a weird stat because come on, like there aren't that many QBs for rush that that many yards. They're just that's not what QBs right. do. They throw for yards, right? <laughs> but um, in any case, Lamar came in under that mark and still won the game, so it didn't end up mattering because we made the most of our opportunities. Um, we were scoring touchdowns instead of settling for field goals. Got a lot of production from a number of guys. I was just laughing at your your only comment for 60 yards because I brought up Russell Wilson's uh, stats for the year, who's probably the, the second most frequent rushing quarterback in the league outside of Lamar. And his season high for rushing yards in a game this year is 51. So. <laughs> oh, okay. So 60 yards is still, it, it's low for Lamar. I completely agree, but it's it's still it's still pretty good for a quarterback in today's NFL. <laughs> as good as Lamar was or has been on on the ground this year, like Chris was just saying on the stat sheet, you know, only 163 yards passing. Now he did average 7.1 per pass, completed 17 out of 23, which is pretty good. So he was efficient with the opportunities he got. We have down a couple a couple throws that Lamar made that that really set a tone for the game. Yeah, I think the first one was pretty early on in the game, actually. And it was a third down pass to Hollywood Brown in the beginning of the first quarter. And, you know, I think the Patriots came in on a blitz. Lamar was kind of flushed out of the pocket and was just trying to look for somebody to get open down the field. And he was able to step up, avoid a sack, and kind of throw a pass low to Hollywood, who was able to just kind of dive for it and was able to corral it. To be able to pick great up the catch. first down. Yeah, great throw, great catch. It was one of those, much as I love Joe, man, you're not seeing him make that throw. Like, <laughs> Even in his prime days, he didn't have as much escapability as, as Lamar does. And, you know, that was just a, a great pitch and catch. And, you know, if I weren't a Ravens fan, if I were a Patriots fan, I'd look at that and be like, man, like, how do you stop that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was, I was going to say that was that, that place because it was – what the first drive of the game is that's the play going that play will go unnoticed by many fans but i think that might have been one of the biggest plays of the game cuz if if i think it was Hightower, i can't remember exactly but if he brings down lamar the, the ravens go three now on the very first drive and things might have looked very different moving forward if if the game starts out like that cuz we all know what happened after that another uh, pass that is pointed out here is the third down pass to mark andrews he only had two catches, but one of them was an amazing pitching catch. Got up, snagged the ball. That was an awesome play. I remember when I was rewatching the the game today, I was looking forward to that. I was like, "Oh, here it comes!" And it just it was such a cool play. That was basically took the, all the momentum away from the Patriots in the third that first long drive in the third quarter because I think it was twenty four to twenty at that point, and. Yep. The, the yep. Ravens are again exactly. about the. I think the Ravens are about to go three and out after, for like the second drive in a row maybe, so, the Patriots had just ran down the field twice and scored. Well, 
Uh, we talk about that later, but the Edelman fumble and then the Pats get the ball back and go right down again and score. So it's like the Ravens had to put a drive together, and right away it's third down, and he hits Andrews on that big pass. Decent coverage, but it was better throw, even better catch. Andrews high-pointed the ball, so nothing you could do about that from the Pats' defense. But that was a big play, too. I do want to point out, though, that the two possessions in the second half, the Ravens only had the ball twice if you don't count the kneel down. Both were 14 plays. Both ended in touchdowns. That is the way you take the wind out of a sail. 14 plays each time, taking massive time off the clock, 17 minutes between the two drives. Wow. Yeah. Right? (laughs) Yeah, it, it was masterfully done. They puttered down the field super slow, converted on a fourth down play. That It was really funny in the group we were watching with, we were all kind of like surprised they were going for it on fourth and three because it was a 55-yard field goal for Tucker. And we're like, oh, I'll take the points given the fact that you know we're only up by four. We go on to score the touchdown, but then Tucker ironically misses the extra point attempt. So we're like, oh, we we're so confident you make a 55-yarder and then he misses the, the mundane extra point. <laughs> so uh, that was kind of a... An ironic yeah. uh, turn of events. He got too fancy there. He was trying to recreate his kick from uh, 2012. <laughs> uh, Until he forgot that they uh, changed the rules so that you can't do that anymore. Right, yeah, that, that kick was... Um, I still think he made it, but certainly the fact that there was the replacement refs in that game certainly helped a lot. <laughs> yeah, But yeah, I mean, that was... Uh, going back to the pass, that was definitely one of those throws I look at and I'm like, we've always been discussing on the pod about you know seeing Lamar to be able to take those steps as a passer and, and really kind of extend that part of the game and I'll, we, we don't see it very often and that Lamar doesn't throw for you know 20 30 times a game you know or, or more for a lot of games right there we've only really had a handful of games where he's played like that most of the time the offenses rely on the run game and we're always talking about how we're looking for progression in the passing side of things, to be able to balance the offense out. And for plays like this, you know, it just really just goes to show like, you know, hey, it looks like he's he's got what it takes to be able to make those big time throws and in critical situations to be able to extend drives. And that's exactly what he did right there. So as good as the offense did last night, they were certainly were not the only reason that the Ravens won the game for the second week in a row. Well, second game in a row, I guess, because Seahawks game was two weeks ago. The Ravens defense cut down an offense with an elite quarterback had them have a less productive game than they usually had this year. What do you guys think on uh, on how Brady looked, Alec and Chris, on how, how you think the Ravens got to him, and uh, Macris on on if is is this did Brady look like how he usually looks all year, and just the Ravens just scored too much, or did the Ravens rattle him a bit? I th- I think it was a mixture of both. The first few drives. They were totally discombobulated. They, the, the, what, the first two drives were only like 20 seconds long each, and he was under pressure for a lot of those throws, and he was threw a couple of them away. I went, got one first down in the first three drives. But at the same time, that's typically what happens with the when the Patriots and the Ravens play. Um, I mean, no, we don't have, the Ravens don't have Ray Lewis and those guys anymore on defense, but they're still, they still find ways to put a ton of pressure on Brady usually when they play, and he was... Having some, he seemed to have some trouble in the first quarter and a half or so to just figure out what was going on there. It was remarkable that within 16 minutes of the game, we were already up 17 to nothing, which kind of shows how the Patriots just weren't able to put anything together at first. Their drives weren't lasting very long because we know the Ravens typically don't get down the field very quickly. And there was a lot of running plays, for instance, just a few chunk plays. So... It was wild to see. Now, as a Tom Brady fantasy owner, I can tell you that he has had a few stinkers of games. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he's not always tearing people apart. I don't know if that's his receiving core or his age or what. I don't get to see most of the games that he plays in, but he is very efficient nonetheless. He still is a mastermind technician of the game. So I was surprised to see him so off base. I could definitely tell, you know, a few of his passes were off the mark yesterday. The defense was definitely pressuring, and I think it was because we're getting healthier, despite the fact that we're so uh, impacted by injury this season. We had Peanut back on the field. We had Jimmy Smith back on the field. 
I was telling Peter before the game started that I could see this defense being a top five defense the second half of the year and really coming together as a unit. And we were seeing that yesterday, that they're they're definitely playing really well together now. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I mean, in this the second half of the season, once November hits, you know, we're really talking about when it's Ravens football really starts because we talked about it at the beginning of the year. This team usually has a good September. October, they hit a bumpy road a bit. Luckily, this year they made it out of October. If you want to include this game, since it, you know, it was yesterday, November 4th, it's close enough. They didn't play four games in October. So, you know, 3 and 0 in October and you got the first win of the first game in November. And now the weather's getting cold, you know, you're going to have bad weather, windy games. That's the time of year when the Ravens teams, whether it was under Brian Billick or John Harbaugh, really flourish because the that type of weather really goes well with with clock control, running the football, good fundamental defense, which is what they're going to have to play this year because they're they're not going to bully offenses as much as they did in years past. They just don't have the personnel for that. But credit to Wink Martindale, he's really seems they really seem to have their guys now with with Josh Bynes and LJ Fort and Chuck Clark in there, Owasso in his correct role. This is a different type of group that the Ravens have had the past couple years, but just because they're going to have to play a slightly different style of and maybe a, a little less aggressive than they usually play, I still think agree with you 100%. The potential's there for them to be a dominating defense from now until the finish line. Yeah, actually I'd like to Take a step back for a second, although I really want to come back to talking about Wink because I think there's some interesting things that we should talk about that we saw in terms of scheme from the game yesterday. But I kind of want to circle back a little bit back to talking about basically how the Ravens had success against the Pats offense. And one of the questions I kind of had actually was, I don't really know what the Patriots offense identity is this year. I've heard some things from some people, oh, they may not be a running team or, oh, you know, they're like, okay, a passing, but, you know, they've had a kind of carousel of, of wide receivers here. And I think, at least for us, I, I, the Ravens defense definitely did play well. I think it speaks to, you know, what Chris was saying earlier in that, you know, Brady couldn't get anything going for the first couple of drives. And I think that was a lot on the Ravens defense to be able to force those three and outs early because you could see later on in the game when Brady was getting things going, he would go to that hurry-up offense and basically stay on the field until he scored. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, uh, you know, Chris, what do you, I mean? What do you think? What do you, what what is the Patriots' offense? What's their identity? Like, what what kind of offense are they going to be? Because you know, from the game last night, it definitely seemed like it was a quick passing game, and that's kind of all they did. Yeah. So. It- the offense is, I, I, it seems to me they're fairly limited right now. And the reports I've read and from the Patriots reporters and things like that, no one ever wants to talk about the offensive line, but the Patriots lost their starting center before the season started to injured reserve. So he's out for the season. And their starting left tackle, who was the first-round pick from last year, who actually missed all of last season, is on IR. But he'll, he should be back in about three weeks. So they lost – those are uh, – Probably the two most important positions on the offensive line, the blind side, left tackle on the blind side of the quarterback, and then the center who makes all the calls. So that's really impacted the running game. And not also to mention the starting fullback, James Devlin. The Patriots are one of the few teams who actually use a fullback, and he was lost on injured reserve as well. So, and not to mention also the Gronkowski's retirement. Um, he was right. one, of the, one of the best blockers, run blockers in the league also. So, the running game has been severely impacted, and you can see that the running backs are probably barely getting three yards of carry this year. I don't have the stats in front of me, but they're not getting any big runs at all. And outside of like one game or two, I don't, I don't even think Michonne Michelle's run for over 100 yards this year. He's gotten like about six touchdowns this year, but they have no running game whatsoever for the most part. So, and last night, I know the score was 17 nothing really quick, but they seemed to abandon the run fairly early, which was a little surprising considering it was still just the beginning of the second quarter and anything could happen. You can sound like the game was over yet. But 
so they seem to go to that that uh, quick striking passing game, like a bunch of five five to ten yard passes. And if you look at the playing time for the offense, they basically ran eleven personnel the entire night, which is three wide receivers and one tight end, one back. So Edelman and Sanu played one hundred percent of the snaps. And Sanu just joined the team two weeks ago, which is kind of surprising to see a guy. I know he's a, uh, a long-time vet in the league, but he just joined the team two weeks ago, and he played every snap already. Edelman played every snap, and then Dorsett, as a third wide receiver, played every snap but one. So they basically ran the same lineup out there the entire night. They didn't sub, they basically, and they just ran a bunch of quick out routes to Edelman and Sanu, and both of them combined for 20 catches, and that was two-thirds of the completions for Brady. Can't say any of them were big plays. I mean, there were a couple here and there that were like 20, 20 yards or so, but the majority of them were like five to 10 yards. So they're struggling to create big plays on offense right now through the, through the running game and the passing game. So I think it's going to take a few more weeks for them to really figure out what, what works best for them because Sanu is not a not a big play guy either. Like Edelman, they're both possession receivers for the most part. So I think they have some things to figure out over the next few weeks. Yeah. Like Peter said last week, Sanu is just a guy. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. That's correct. So, not a, not a, not a big play guy, but I mean, yeah, he, he had a bunch of catches against us last night. And, and while, you know, it always sucks to see Brady just pick apart our defense from short passes, all the, freaking time uh you know i would much rather take those uh five ten yard passes and be able to at least tackle the guys in bounds and, and not give up the big play which for the most part i think the ravens defense did a pretty good job of of preventing that yesterday i want to take a moment to talk about peanut holy cow this guy reminded us why we were talking so highly of him in the off season i think we take that green dot off his helmet a weight off his shoulders he was playing a more aggressive role, breaking up passes, getting a sack, forcing a fumble that was taken all the way back to the house. Like, man, he was awesome yesterday playing in his natural position. I'm, I'm so pleased to see him playing like that, and I hope it continues. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And actually, if you look at the, the snap count, I was a little surprised to see this at first, but I guess I think it makes sense because Fort and Bynes basically play the same position. Awaso was out there for 42% of the snaps, which, you know, Bynes was out there for 37, Fort was only out there for 27. So he wasn't out there for for that much more than those guys. But I was surprised that he got that much playing time given his recent injuries and how he was a bit in the in the doghouse, whether rightfully or not, whether or not he ever should have been in that role. He still was part of the reason that the Ravens were having their defensive struggles against the Chiefs and the Browns. But yeah, he stepped up big, punching the ball out on Edelman. I mean, like that play essentially was had the same outcome as that play in Seattle where it was Humphrey once again having a, a nose for the ball and picking it up, but you know, against Seattle that was just DK Metcalf just making a very odd rookie mistake. That you punched out the ball from a very accomplished player in Edelman. I don't think he's Hall of Fame worthy, but he's certainly been one of the best receivers in the league the past four or five seasons so that was a huge play for Owasu right there I was not expecting if the Ravens were going to win that game that one of the big difference plays would be a mistake by a guy to the pedigree of Edelman so that just speaks even more on how big a play that was by Owasu right there yeah you could argue that was the main torn, turning point of the game right there the I mean there's Pats were driving the beginning of the second half and looked like they were gaining some sort of momentum and a little bit of control of the game, and it was 17-13. to 13. They were driving, and all of a sudden, Edelman's fighting for extra yards on a pass that was really going nowhere, and the ball comes loose, and Humphrey had a fairly easy scoop and score, and that really changed the game right there. Yeah, huge huge credit to Wink for being able to put Owasso back into the lineup and, and get him into those positions because, yeah, I mean, you look at the stat sheet, I mean, he had six tackles, forced fumble, and a sack earlier on in the game. I mean, he was, like you said, Alec, he definitely looked like the Owasso that, you know, we know all knew and loved from, from last season. So 
I uh, I definitely hope that we can continue putting him in those good situations because if he can keep playing like this and you know we can avoid having him getting exposed in coverage, you know please 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 I would I would much rather take that. I was definitely getting nervous for a couple of plays. I saw I saw him in man coverage on the outside against like Burkhead on one or two plays, and I was like, please do not, Brady, do not find him. <laughs> Because I know we're going to get exposed. And, you know, fortunately, I think for the couple of passes, he picked on somebody else, which is nice. But, yeah, I think it really goes to show you, too, of, you know, fans that always talked and said that C.J. Mosley was always a liability in coverage. And I'm pretty sure we've talked about this before, but it's probably worth bringing up. Of It definitely shows you something now that C.J.'s gone to see the other guys that we have, and you're like, oh, actually, wait a minute. Maybe it, he wasn't picked on as, as badly as we thought it was because <laughs> it could be a lot worse. <laughs> But fortunately, last night, things were going well. Sack Daddy also was heavily involved in the game plan. He was out there for over 60% of the snaps. That's a big role with McPhee going down that he was able to step up and and play that much. Yeah, it seemed like he had a uh, rather quiet night. I mean, we only had two sacks on the whole game, but we did have a fair number of QB pressures. And from what I was seeing, I mean, it seemed like he was pushing the pocket you know, like he has been for the last couple of games, just not being able to hit home. But yeah, the other guy who stands out a lot too, Jimmy Smith came back and then had 54 snaps. That's 81% of all the total snaps. He was playing a lot yesterday. And I think we should probably talk about it a little bit more too with his return. I think Wink was able to get a little bit more creative with the secondary and the, the scheme that we were playing. So it seemed like that Brandon Carr would play a lot more of that deep safety role. And then we would bring Earl Thomas closer to the line of scrimmage. So you saw him in on a couple of blitzes, playing in that sort of short middle of the field. Yeah, I mean, it was kind of all to be able to get Marcus Peters, Humphrey, Jimmy Smith, Brandon Carr, Earl Thomas, all of them on the field at once. I thought it was very interesting. I wonder if that had anything to do with, particularly against game planning against Tom Brady, to be able to get as many guys and one, be able to get them all out on the field, but two, to be able to get them into slightly different roles to maybe throw them off a little bit. I think if nothing else, it just gave the Ravens an additional edge with just some different wrinkles that Belichick and Brady didn't see on tape. Not that I'm sure that it was anything they hadn't seen before, but still, you know, something you weren't expecting, just something else we could throw at them that wasn't exactly what thought we would have done based on the games that were recent. Another guy I want to bring up is he had a slow start to the year, but Earl Thomas really had a game last night. I mean, he was one of the first guys to get a quarterback hit on Brady at the beginning of the game. He had that interception to seal it at the end of it. Made some more plays as well throughout the game. Aside from that one pass that Brady was able to get to on him where James White got good position for like a 20-yard reception or something along the sideline, Really no mistakes that I could see from Earl Thomas. I think in a game like that, having that defensive leader who's been there in the big games before really helped the Ravens last night and finally starting to see some really big dividends out of that free agent signing. Yeah, he also had another really nice pass breakup in the red zone, I believe in the second quarter. Oh, that's uh, right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah talk about that play because that was... Oh, yeah. Actually, Alec and I were uh, were breaking that game, that play down on... Uh, Film study. We were watching someone break down how Thomas um, initially showed to Brady that he was covering the receiver that was going in the middle, and then he broke and and uh, defended the pass on yeah. the on the actual intended receiver. Yeah, that was a next level play, Pro Bowl level play, right there. Yep, he was covering yep. the tight end, but his eyes were on the quarterback, and he started breaking towards Edelman, and yeah, just broke that play right up. Almost got a pick, you know, got a hand nearly on it. So really heads up play. That's, like you said, all pro level play right there. Matt Waldman was the one breaking it down. I'll include the link in the show notes. Yeah, I feel like the secondary was were the guys who had the, the best games as far as the defense was concerned last night. I mean, still saw great things out of the linebackers and the defensive line. Only two sacks last night, but still got a lot of hits on Brady. There were certainly extended periods where... He looked comfortable in the pocket, especially on the when the Patriots were running that hurry up. For the most part, the Ravens really seemed like they were gassed when the Patriots were doing that, and that was the one advantage 
that if the Patriots were able to capitalize on that more, they might have been able to do better than they did. But yeah, for the most part, when the Patriots weren't running that, there weren't a lot of clean pockets that Brady had all night. I think the only other surprise that I noticed from the game was I think Brady had one pass that was just like, as soon as he threw it, we were like, what? Like, why would you do that? And he had that lame duck that kind of went toward Sanu, I believe, and Josh Bynes had both his hands on it and just could have come away with the pick, but unfortunately he just kind of dropped it. But as soon as I saw him throw it, I was like, man, what are you doing? <laughs> like, I've never seen Tom Brady throw a pass like that, you know. Usually he's very on point, very on the money, and this one's just just a very off throw. We're going to talk about Judon's body, powered by Taco Bell. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure he oh, man. was trending immediately after that. I saw definitely a lot of tweets regarding that. Man, what a what a goofball. <laughs> <laughs> you knew he knew he was going to have to talk about it. He said that he doesn't drink, but he uh, he just likes the food. Because <laughs> they were like, oh, all the college students that hit, like, you know, go hard and, and then need Taco Bell. Like, you just got your validation. <laughs> yeah, I think that'll probably go down in Ravens history right behind uh, Ball So Hard University. Oh, the best. Yeah. Classic. Body Built by Taco Bell t-shirts would be a lot more relevant, I think, than Ball So Hard University t-shirts. So somebody should get in on that. Make an awesome t-shirt. I'm sure Judon will put it on his Twitter or something. I'm sure it's in the works. <laughs> <laughs> I checked uh, and Taco Bell had not tweeted for four days when that comment was made. And I was like, that's about to change. On that note, do we want to move on to our uh, our weekly MVPs? Or is there anything we left out? I guess the biggest thing is if we do want to talk about special teams, it was more than just a missed extra point attempt. Yes, we did have an amazing punt or two, actually. Quite nice punts by Cook and also... A crazy boomerang kick by Justin Tucker on the kickoff. Remember what that, Peter? We were watching. We're like, wow, look at that ball. I do. I don't remember. I think that was in the first half. But yeah. Yeah. Right at the beginning, he hit this like boomerang kick where then they showed it from the end zone view. It went, I don't know. It felt like it went uh, almost halfway across the field and scooped back in. Right. Yeah. It was, like, went to the left and then scooped back, you know, across to the other opposite side of the field. That was a pretty crazy kick. And I'm pretty sure the Ravens got favorable field position for the defense after that kick too so that might be something we see again yeah but cyrus jones that was the beginning of our uh loss of momentum in the first half where we almost thought the halftime show was going to be not celebrating ed reed but the first quarter ravens <laughs> after they had fallen in the second quarter cyrus jones on the drop there fumbled it gave great field position up so we definitely got to see that get fixed as we know, he was a former Patriot. They drafted him a second or third round a couple of years ago, and he was their punt returner for a few years. And he fumbled a few times, which is why Belichick cut him about a year ago, I guess it was. And one of the Patriots reporters I, f- I follow on Twitter, he actually tweeted that Savage Jones finally made a play to help the Patriots out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Savage. I mean, that's accurate. <laughs> Yeah, honestly, I mean, before that play happened, it looked like it was going to be a runaway game, you know, but with that, they scored seven pretty quickly, and then after the Mark Ingram fumble, uh, scored another three, the game looked kind of close. Yeah, overall, though, I mean, you know, I'd say from what I saw for the special teams, man, this, uh, it wasn't a giveaway for the Ravens as it usually is for most games. The New England special teams is pretty legit. There were some hard-fought yards, I think, to be able to get those on the kickoff returns they weren't giving up much i believe we had a couple runbacks that they tackled us inside the 20 so we didn't really have that great field position and i think we had another one justice hill ran it back to the 40 or something but we had a holding penalty to bring it back that's right yeah so if anything new england special teams i applaud you guys you guys do that at probably as well as we do so yeah that's a good unit they've got over there i was kind of surprised we had our we're on to our third kicker this year so he actually made all of his kicks last night, so that was positive. Oh, well, yeah. I, I was more referring to the kickoff team. Nick Folk, yeah, he, he did make all the kicks. Although, I, honestly, if you looked at those kicks, they were pretty short. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not the best, but they did go through. So, yeah, New England was certainly a very opportunistic team. I, I do want to point out 
that Lamar only had six incompletions all game, but three of them were either batted by the offensive line, hit off a helmet, or something crazy where I was like, oh gosh, like looked like an interception waiting to happen. And, you know, they were able to get those fumbles. We Ravens only had two fumbles all season, and then they had two in the first half. So um, the defense was certainly opportunistic. The special teams was opportunistic. The offense was able to capitalize on those things. But the Ravens did a pretty good job of cleaning that up in the second half and, and not giving them the opportunities, taking those 17 minutes on those two possessions to really put a nail in the coffin. With that being said, yeah, let's do our MVPs, I guess. I want to give it to Nick Your Boyle. Man. Nick 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 Doyle. Nick Doyle. <laughs> yeah, Nick Nick Boyle, man. First career touchdown for him. You know, he gave that sound bite that the Patriots were eating up going into the game, being like, Oh, who's this Nick Boyle guy? He's talking crap. Man, Nick Boyle, you had more snaps than any other tight end. You are the real deal. You're getting paid more than any other tight end on the team. <laughs> the guy, uh, he's a rock star. He's a lot of things well. I don't think many teams have a player like Nick. And uh, it's just another wrinkle that the Ravens have where you have a very athletic guard essentially playing that has good hands. Him and Ricard are both very special players, very unique in the NFL. Absolutely. The other thing about Boyle, too, he had more catches than Andrews and Hurst combined. Yep. Amazing. We love the big guy. Peter, what about you? Who's your MVP? For me, man, I, I thought about this for a bit. I really wanted to give it to either... I could, I, there's so many Ravens you could give it to. I do want to do a quick shout-out to Ricard, even though he's ultimately not my MVP, because I don't think we've talked about him yet. He had a lot of critical blocks throughout the game, especially on those first two drives. But for me, my MVP is actually going to go to the the head of the Baltimore Ravens, John Harbaugh. I felt like all phases of, of the game yesterday went great. Obviously, there were some mistakes, but both Wink and Roman had excellent game plans. The Ravens seemed well rested. You got all these guys back from injury. And, you know, there's still some Ravens fans out there who think that Harbaugh should have gone when Flacco went. I'm not one of those Ravens fans. I think that Harbaugh is a huge reason for why the Ravens are off to this start and are doing well so quickly after a pretty significant quarterback change. So Harbaugh gets my MVP award for this week. Yeah, that's definitely a good one. I'm going to go with uh, Orlando Brown Jr. I, I love to just give it to all the offensive line guys. and We've basically already said it with Boyle and Ricard. I mean, everyone was blocking extremely well yesterday. Yonda also especially had a, a great game blocking. I just want to give it to Orlando Brown for having such a heads-up play for dragging Lamar into the end zone for the last touchdown of his. Just like he really wanted him to get that, you know, to close the game out with that last touchdown. And, uh, you know, it's just a, a great play. I think Chris Collinsworth was just amazed when he had that happening. He was like, you know, like, oh, man, look at the big guy. Pull him in. He's like, come on, come on. <laughs> now there's a guy. <laughs> now there's a guy. There's a guy who pulls his quarterback. He <laughs> looked like it was choking him. Probably a lunch pail guy, too. <laughs> lunch pail. Yeah. <laughs> Got to give an honorable mention to... Uh, Ronnie Stanley. Peter was saying that that might have been his MVP earlier. Great plays. I was terrified when he fell down and, and looked injured, but he played the rest of the game. Haven't heard anything since forth, so hopefully he's all right. But yeah, I, I did see Harbaugh said after the game that and this is Jeff Zerebrak tweeting from uh, five hours ago that they didn't see anything negative on Stanley's health after the game. So good great that's good yeah because that would be a huge loss if if stanley goes down he's been playing at an all pro level all year especially from pass protection standpoint chris macris anything else you want to say thank you so much for joining us today i don't think so i was just um another thing i wanted to mention was that we started talking about the beginning of the game how the even well even in the two fourth the two long drives in the second half the patriots seemed to kill themselves on many missed um many mistakes and penalties, especially those, those three big yeah. penalties they had. And that's something they usually don't do out of, from a Belichick team. You don't usually see that. And they jumped off sides a couple of times and they had a couple, a couple of uh, penalties on third down that extended those, descended those long eight minute drives the Ravens had in the second half, which was pretty surprising to see from my perspective. And 
which enabled the Ravens to eat the clock even more in the second half. Yeah, really good point. Glad you brought that up because I, I also wrote that down in my notes when I was rewatching just how those penalties absolutely killed New England, and they kind of shot themselves in the foot there. Particularly, you know, we we're about to kick a field goal, and then they encroached the uh, the line, so we were able to go back and run a few more plays and get the touchdown. I think all three of them were actually on third and fourth down plays, so there was there was those were killers. Yep. I think that's one of the frustrating things about watching a game with two really good teams is that you never really see you know poor quality play from teams and that like the teams are are good teams for a reason they're usually execute very well and they're not going to make a play where you're going to be like you know you can't do that against good teams (laughs) right it's it's those it's those small little little mistakes here and there that you know for the most time like they you don't see them very often it's just kind of like really backbreaking when when you do see them but they're usually very very correctable things um, which is the good thing. A lot of you know, a lot of good teams will make bad mistakes, but they'll correct them next game and move on. Well stated, Chris. Well, thank you, Chris Macris, for joining us today. Well, may- maybe a little confusing for our listeners. I have two Chris's, but hopefully you're able to yeah. carry <laughs> follow along. We uh, really enjoy doing this show. Obviously, after a big win, it's always super exciting to get together with the guys and and record. Please do give us a rating on iTunes. Tell a friend. We really do appreciate your support each and every week. Don't forget that you can email us at feedback at ravensrecap.com or follow us on Twitter at ravens underscore recap, where we're tweeting during the games, retweeting uh, interesting things we see throughout the week, etc. It's a pretty good account to follow. So with that, we will see you later in the week with our predictions about Cincinnati. It will probably be a shorter episode since we've already predicted this game before and a little bit has changed, but it probably will have the same outcome. Wouldn't you say, guys? That's for the next episode. <laughs> Fair enough. That's you got to tune in. That's, <laughs> well, that's we can say anything. Say. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I, I agree with you. I think it'll be a little bit shorter, but yeah, we'll talk about it then. All right. See you then, guys. Yeah, Nick's, uh, Nick's, Nick's one of our very best players. You know, and he does... He does a lot of everything really well and, and you know, he deserves it.